You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Welcome to Voice Junkie. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Voice Junkie Podcast. This is Chuck West, VJ number 23. That's Voice Junkie, if y'all don't understand. MJ23, this is the Jordan number. So you know I got to represent for the GOAT. And come through with the news and latest perspective from yours truly. Yes, that is what I'm attempting to do. Yeah, you know, first of all, I want to start off by apologizing. I've taken so long to kind of get these episodes out. You know, this is not a high production. Um, I hope some of you out there don't don't uh, uh, assume that this is a high production uh, project that um, you're listening to because it's not not yet. Um, that's why I've been trying to get uh, more supporters. Uh, you could do that at Patreon.com/slash/ChuckWestWorld. You can help and make this more of a powerhouse. Make this more of a high quality production. Um, that's Patreon.com/slash/ChuckWestWorld. Link in the bio below. Um, let's just jump right into it, man. I want to send out... I, I hate when people talk about sending out their condolences when something happens because it doesn't really incorporate, it doesn't really promote action. Um, and what I mean by that is the uh, tragic shooting, um, mass shooting that took place out in uh, New Zealand. Uh, two um, Islamic uh, two uh, mosques were shot up. Um, there was a lot of people killed, unfortunately, and you guessed it, it was done by another crazy, racist, white supremacist who wants to have the whole earth eradicated of Muslims. Um, this is not at all surprising anymore because we've gotten to the point now as a society, as a culture, that we've just kind of almost accepted the crazy fringe side of our of our of our culture, meaning hatred, bigotry, uh, fascism. A lot of these things are starting to peak its ugly head right now, especially with the orange clown at uh at, at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. And this is that kind of rhetoric that we rhetoric we've been hearing. I mean, even down in Charleston, Virginia, and and down when they had those rallies with the you know uh, with all the su- white supremacists screaming out uh, the Jews won't replace us and then our orange clown of a president coming up to the pedestal and saying hey there's this this there's uh here's here's my impression uh, there's there's good people on both sides there's good people on both sides no there's not good people on both sides you clown call for what it is white supremacy white terrorism. Uh, right-wing terrorism, excuse me. Um, I'm hoping that the media call it for what it is, and it's right-wing terrorism. Um, right-wing terrorism has been on the rise for years now, and no one seems to be talking about it. No one. 
Because why? For obvious reasons. Because it's a bias. Obvious. If that person, that shooter out in New Zealand, which I won't name him, I won't give any specifics as to who he is and what he his lot his crazy logic was for doing such a heinous act, because that's what he wants. He just wants attention. I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna shed light to such hatred, but I will shed light on what the growing problem is in not just this country but across the world and that's a rise in white nationalism and in right-wing terrorism let's just call it for what it is i'm tired of hearing about all these other things with all oh, these we got to be scared of the brown people the brown people are scared it's very scary we're scared of them we're scared of you know people of who practice islam we're scared of uh the people uh south of the border we're scared of this we're scared of that no 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 we need to be scared of the guy who is frustrated with his life because for for whatever reasons because he he lost his job to uh someone that looks different than he does or a guy who constantly listens to Fox News all day and gets fed propaganda throughout the day. That's who we need to worry about. And it's a lot of that happening right now. These are the things that we don't talk about. These are the things that our national media fail at communicating to the people. This is the problem with the mainstream media. They don't tell it for what it is. And that's what it is. It's white ring terrorism. And this is what happened, unfortunately, out in New Zealand. 49 people were killed shot and all they were doing was trying to have a joyous occasion with uh people like-minded people like them you know who, who practice the same faith they practice during an important time of the year and it, it's sad when you can't even get to a point where you can go to a sanctuary like that and not worry about that being your last breath on earth uh, we can't go to movies we can't go to concerts we can't go to mosque churches I mean, the funny thing is all of these venues that I've I've named and riddled off just off the top of my head had mass shootings and they were all done by white nationalists or a right wing terrorist. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You know, but again, it gets swept under the rug and it's getting it's, it's disgusting that the media don't do their fucking jobs and report it for what it is. That the families obviously are going to go through a lot through um, trying to rebuild their lives after this. This is something that is difficult. You know, when you lose a loved one in a tragic way, it's um, it's hard to recover from, especially when you lose them in something as horrific as this event. So, you know, my heart goes out to those uh, victims out there in New Zealand. And I hope New Zealand steps it up and, and puts more put more of an emphasis on completely eradicating hate speech completely eradicating the rise in white you know supremacy and 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 right-wing terrorism like there needs to be an emphasis on it there needs to be a legit task force created to eradicate the sickness that is starting to fester throughout the world and especially permeating in this country because of the orange monster that's in the White House right now. There has to be a more of an emphasis. And I'm hoping once we elect a new president that there is a focus on white, uh, excuse me, on right-wing terrorism. There has to be a focus because that is the most dangerous 
faction right now that we all as a society need to worry about. It's not the Muslims. It's not the brown people south of the border. It's the people that live right amongst us, the right-wing terrorists. I mean, uh, so going from that, it's, it seems only appropriate to segue directly into another story, which is the uh, college bribery scandal, a.k.a. codename Varsity Blues. Shout out to the freaking feds for coming up with such a, a sting operation. I mean, a name for such a, for an operation, Varsity Blues. <laughs> there was a big, big scandal that was uncovered throughout the week, and that was because of the um, of 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 the paying, to, you know, basically paying rich people paying for their kids to get through to the Ivy League's top Ivy League schools, like Yale or you know those types of schools. And one of the big leading names that came from that case was uh, Felicity Hoffman and Laura Laughlin. Um, Excuse me if I pronounced their names wrong, but I believe one of them was on Full House and other uh, one was probably on Sex in the City. So they got busted because they were in a sting operation where a bunch of other rich people were paying for their kids to, um, you know, go to private schools. This is the same thing I'm sure Donald Trump's father did for him when he went to Columbia and, you know, and, and Warden and all of these schools because there is no way in the world Donald Trump got into those schools without having a rich daddy. This definitely, this case definitely, definitely proves or or shuts those people up who want to talk about affirmative action. This definitely shuts the door on that because we've always known that privilege afforded certain families, certain kids, the opportunity to go to these schools. Come on, you have to be really dumb or naive to believe that this type of culture never existed before or doesn't still exist today. It's just that these two got caught doing it. This exists all over the country. It exists all over the world, you know? And I'm sure these types of people who do these things be the same people who are critical about affirmative action. It's like, listen, at least with affirmative action, there's 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 uh there's guidelines there's standards and practices in place you can't be chosen or being a, on a affirmative action list without having the grades to show you got to at least have good grades before you even are afforded affirmative action in this case you can have horrendous grades but just be born of wealth and get yourself into a good Ivy League school so I'm glad that this was, uh, I'm glad that, you know, the, you know, the feds, you know, brought this whole thing down and I'm glad that all the news outlets are starting to shed a light on it and, and really highlight what, you know, the underbelly of, you know, you know, of being wealthy really entails, man. And it entails a lot of advantages that a lot of us just don't have, you know, this is not hyperbole. This isn't hate. This is not because we hating on rich people, on rich folk. No, this is because this is what it is. This is what we always do. I mean, with certain money comes certain privilege. And this operation proved that. I mean, they're paying, you know, this, you know, they're paying upwards of $500,000 just for SAT 
the passing of SATs and, and all of this other crazy stuff going on just to get their kids in a good Ivy League school. And it's just like, it's just so many stigmas that just kind of ring off in your head when they talk about rich dummies and then they talk about smart, dumb people. Well, maybe their parents probably bought them into school too. So if you see a smart dummy in a, in a really good school, chances are they probably got there in a shady way. I mean, this week has been a really crazy week because I've been... Uh, a little sick, like I'm sipping on ginger ale right now. I was supposed to record this thing earlier in the week, but, you know, a lot of things happened, and I got sick, obviously, and now here we are. That's why I had to start to show off, unfortunately, with the New Zealand mass shootings, and it's actually kind of off topic of what I really wanted to talk about, and that's with the NFL trade deadline. So a lot of things happen. You know, you've seen a lot of players move to different locations. You've seen some also some uh, blockbuster trades. And I say the biggest one of them all, without listing and riddling off all the moves that happened, was definitely Odell Beckham to the Cleveland Browns. Now, Cleveland, Cleveland has been hard at work all trade deadline and, and, and free agency. They've been acquiring talent left and right. They picked up uh, uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, formerly of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Remember, he got suspended or he got, he got uh, sent home last year. He got cut first, then he got sent home uh, for the rest of the year uh, because of an incident he had with a, a young lady in a hotel room, or not in a hotel room, but in a hotel. And it wasn't nowhere near. I'm not. Now I'm not saying, you know, I'm condoning it, but. It was nowhere near the level of uh, heinousness that um, Ray Rice went down for and what he did to his wife. You know, I mean, that was, you know, sick. This was more, I think, on a disrespectful level. You know, I think um, he like I think he he kind of pushed the, the girl out with his foot, pushed her in the back with his with his with his foot, almost kicking her out of the hotel and they got it on camera, and that's what he went down for. And the point is, you just got to be smart, man. The dude is talented, super talented. I mean, easily, the the stats show that he was a top five running back in the league since he's been in the league, and I, I think that's been all a couple of years. And, you know, he just basically ruined practically an entire year of his career thrown away because, you know, he's in the wrong place at the wrong time doing something he shouldn't be doing. And um, now he'll be with the Cleveland Browns, and he's definitely going to add a element to that offense after he serves his eight-game suspension to start this season. But the Browns didn't stop there. Like I, you know, like I said, I said, you know, they got Odell Beckham. So they traded off a number one our first round pick, which I think it was going to end up being a 17th overall pick and a third rounder. And they um, traded Jabril Peppers, their safety, off to the Giants. So the Giants, you know, they're pretty much sink or swim with Eli and uh, Saquon Barkley right now. And if you're a Giants fan, man, you you really have to be scratching your head wondering exactly what to com- what is to come for the future. Because it just makes no sense to me why you still have Eli Manning as your quarterback. Yeah, he's won two Super Bowls, 
one, I put a, I always put an asterisk on that 2007 championship because it's hard not to when David Tyree literally catches the football in his helmet and uh, was the, you know, key fact to them winning that Super Bowl. But he's won two Super Bowls. The last one, I think, coming in 2011. But since then, he's been horrific for in a regular season, leading the NFL in, t- in interceptions three out of three seasons out of that, that that span. So Eli has not been very good. And if you look at his career numbers, they're not very impressive either. But he's going to go to the Hall of Fame because he beat Tom Brady twice. And it's just kind of like ho-hum to me. You know, it's like, uh, all right. You know, but now, you know, the Giants have decided to just keep the guy around, which I just don't understand. I don't get the logic behind it. Now, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm perfectly fine with it. (laughs) That's just two victories for us. You're just giving us two freebies. That's how I look at it. We beat them twice last year, and we'll beat them twice this year. Uh, I mean, it's it's mind-numbing to me, but Odell Beckham to the – to the Cleveland Browns is going to be good for the Browns. Suddenly, in like a real short time, like a two-year span, the Browns are relevant, man. And they relevant in a big way. You got Baker Mayfield, number one overall last year. Everybody thought that was a bad move. Not everybody, but some people out there thought that that wasn't a good move. But judging how the year panned out, when they got Hugh Jackson's clown ass out of there, Baker took off. And he justified why he um, should have been uh, drafted where he was drafted. And that was number one overall. Now you add Odell Beckham to the mix with uh, Jarvis Landry and um, Callaway and uh, Nick Chubb and, you know, and, and Kareem Hunt after his eighth game suspension. And, you know, the list goes on and on. They're stacked, man. They're loaded. On paper, they should be really good. But we'll see how it shakes out during the year. Because on paper, and, and doesn't really translate on the field. Their offense is going to be dynamic. But their their defense, eh, it's going to be a little shaky. I mean, they added Sheldon Richardson. They added a couple pieces to help out Miles Garrett. But we're not really sure how that's going to translate for, as far as when the money's on the table. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, other than that, a lot of other moves went down. You know, Green Bay's making some moves. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head what else that was actually relevant. Um, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I have to cover Le'Veon Bell, man, because for 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 you know the whole season it just grinded my gears on how people talk down to Le'Veon Bell. Analysts talk about uh, he's not smart for turning down that 14 million dollars, and it's going to turn out that he might lose. Um, a little money in the long run, he'll lose probably that ten to fourteen million in in, um, in dollars by turning down the turning down the deal that he um, did with the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. But what is ignored is that you know these teams, man, they get away. I mean, these teams, these NFL teams and owners, they get away with murder, man. And I hope when the new PA comes, the new collective bargaining agreement comes, they fix a lot of things. And one of those things is fixing the franchise tag uh, policy because it sucks. Right now, teams are damn near able to franchise a player 
for as long as they want. And and if you're if you're an NFL player, especially a running back, your shelf life is very very short. It's a short shelf life, especially for the running back position. So you can't afford to go and uh, in, in, in year-to-year deals. This is what I never understood, why he got ridiculed, because of his position. Because he's like, look, man, like I can't keep playing year-to-year. I don't know what's going to happen uh, the next year, um, because I tell you what, if he go if he had to if he had played last year on that 14 million dollar contract and 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 uh, god forbid got hurt you think that the steelers would have came back with a favorable contract that that he, that was to his liking absolutely not and neither any other team would yep and this is the polar opposite to what happened and what transpired with ab with antonio brown who just basically forced himself out of Pittsburgh. Now, there's two things with this. There's two dynamics with the A-B situation. One being him him forcing himself out of Pittsburgh may change the dynamic in players, this future narrative that players will begin to get some of the control that they never had with the NFL owners. And A-B definitely won and definitely... uh, showed that it could be possible. So him forcing himself out and getting more guaranteed money on top of the money that he already had with a new team definitely shows there is a way, there is a future potentially uh, that can have uh, a future where players can have more control over their destinations, more control over their uh, future. And... You know, trust me, you think these NFL players aren't jealous of what they see with the NBA players? Trust me, man, they all wish they can have that kind of control, have that kind of power, but they don't have it right now. And what AB did on that side of the spectrum is important because it's showing players, okay, it can be done if you have leverage and if you are as good as he is in that position or any position for that matter. But I don't and I won't, um, you know, give him a pat on the back for being a terrible teammate because he is a terrible teammate. You know, I, I got to take him to task real quick. First of all, Le'Veon Bell got a lot of crap uh, heaped on him because of the, his approach last year saying, look, I'm not going to work one year contracts. As a running back, nor should he have. It was a smart decision to do just on principle alone and financially, in my opinion, because who's to know if he wouldn't have gotten hurt last year? Because he does have an injury history. He does have a history with being injured. So it it just seemed like the the, the Steelers were just waiting for the inevitable with Le'Veon Bell. And Le'Veon did step away and say, you know, screw this. I'm taking time off. On principle, and and and, and sh- he should have done that. Antonio Brown, on on on, on his situation is way different. He just forced himself out because he felt a certain way about management. He felt a excuse me. He felt a certain way about Ben Roethlisberger. Like, come on, dude. Unlike Le'Veon Bell, who had to fight and and, and for every little guaranteed dollar that he asked for that the Steelers wouldn't give him. You actually got paid, A.B. You actually got 
the money. You you hit the you hit the jackpot. They paid you. So it's not like uh you didn't get your money. You got your money. And you you still got your catches, you still got your throws, you still got your touchdowns, and it still wasn't enough for you. So John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders staff have to be concerned with that in the future, saying, hey, we made a big splash. This should make Oakland fans happy this season and make our future Los Angeles, uh, excuse me, Las Vegas fans happy with this big name acquisition. But they have to be worried as well. Like, look, he was playing with an all-time great quarterback who threw him the ball at nauseam. He put up big stats, got paid, and he still was unhappy. So going forward, John Gruden's going to have to worry about that. And I'm going to predict this. It ain't going to end well for Antonio Brown because he going to he's leaving Ben Roethlisberger. Yes, Ben Roethlisberger has his issues. He's he's on a power trip. He's all of these things. But one thing we can't deny is that the dude is still great and he's still playing at a high level. He's leaving that behind to go play with Derek Carr. There is no comparison. They're not even the same league. They're not even the same goddamn universe. I'm predicting that the A-B situation is going to ultimately end bad. And you remember when Keyshawn Johnson got into it with uh, John Gruden and John Gruden just sent him home? I can definitely see a possibility where that end up happening. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year or maybe not even next year, but I can definitely see that possibility happen as things uh, start to deteriorate in the Lake uh, in the in the uh, Oakland Raiders uh, organization because this rebuild is going to take a while. It's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be a year. It's not going to be two years because hell, we don't even know if Derek Carr is the guy. And a lot of people, the general consensus says he ain't the guy. So if he's not the guy, then that means you got to find a whole nother quarterback, either through free agency or through the draft, and which is going to be more years off of that career of Antonio Browns. Because look, at he's 30, 31 years old. He ain't getting any younger. And he ain't going to get any faster. He's just going to slow down because that's just how this works as you get older as a quarterback, as a running back, as a as a especially as a receiver. Things slow down. Your body begins to break down. And I could foresee the Keyshawn Johnson scenario happening ultimately with Antonio Brown in the near future. So that that's my take on that whole situation with Antonio Brown. Um as far as the rest of the league is concerned, um, the Chiefs picked up, um, I think they picked up Honey Badger. Um, that's a great pickup for them. They, they did release, uh, they did release uh, Barry, but uh, Honey Badger is going to be a, a, a nice jolt of energy for them. Uh, they definitely sh- could have used him in the AFC Championship round against the uh, uh, New England Patriots. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good pickup for them. They're going to need more if they want to get back to that position. And um, let's look at the Ravens, man, real quick. The Ravens picked up, you know, Earl Thomas. Again, I'm a Cowboys fan. Jerry didn't, didn't, didn't do anything. And Jerry didn't even pick up Ha-Ha Dick Clinton Dix. He didn't pick up any safeties, which is kind of mind-numbing to me because we still need a safety. So I don't know what Jerry's doing in this offseason, but he ain't done much. 
So I, I don't want to get on a whole rant about Jerry Jones and his inaction and what he's not doing and what he is doing that is detrimental to the team. But anyway, sidebar. Back to uh, Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas to the Ravens is definitely going to help that team out. They, you know, he's gonna, he's a veteran presence that's going to help out that young secondary. Um, I expect that secondary to be uh, and that young linebacker core to be flying around. Um, they did lose C.J. Mosley though, so you know we'll see how that works. Uh, C.J. Mosley is pretty good. He was coming along last year, and um, so we'll see how that works. But Earl Thomas to the Ravens, very interesting. Um, you add that in with. Uh, the shakeups in Pittsburgh and uh, and and also what Cleveland has added. You're looking at a pretty stacked, uh, pretty entertaining AFC North going forward. So I, I'm definitely interested to see in a lot of those AFC North games next year. So uh, yeah, kudos to them. But yeah, I, I, that's just some of the some of the trades that I kind of paid attention to. Some of the trades that I picked up that I think is going to make immediate impacts on uh, those teams that made the uh, plunges. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how it goes, you know. But um, I want to make another quick segue real quick into my thoughts on um, Fortnite and everybody suing Fortnite. And for those of you who don't know, and if you're listening to this podcast, if you listen to any podcast, then I'm sure that you have some type of familiarity with technology or uh, pop culture or the video game spectrum. But anyway, Fortnite is a game that all the young kitties love to play, and they incorporated a lot of a lot of um, dance moves that our culture created, the hip hop culture. When I mean our culture, the hip hop culture created. They put in the game. So a lot of these, like the two Millie, you know, the Millie Rock and, and uh, you know, the the Block Boy Dance or whatever that's called. I can't remember that's called. The Dabbing and all of these things, the Running Man, all of these dances they put in the video game and didn't attribute any type of credit to any of the creators of it. I mean, even the Carlton dance, they stole. And... Carlton is suing them. JB Blockboy suing them. Tumili is suing them. And, you know, the uh, guys who I guess created the Running Man Challenge is suing them as well. And you know what? This this is just I don't know if the for for you know, full disclosure, I don't know if those guys are gonna win because this is such a a very complicated situation because they're I don't I, I don't know much about trademark laws, but I do know it's very complicated to trademark a dance uh, or some kind of dance move. And, and the, 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 the argument for the defense is going to have to be, you know, to, to, I don't know, find a way to get around what, you know, the laws currently, how the laws aren't currently written. So I don't know how that is because I don't I'm not a law professor. I'm not a I don't have a law degree, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this shakes out because, you know, Epic Games, the, the creators of Fortnite, clearly jacked these moves and made millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. They didn't even attribute any credit to any of these creators. And that right there, folks, is what we call culture vulturing. That's that's what a culture vulture is. Epic Games is a culture vulture, essentially. 
So when Dame Dash is running around here talking about culture vulture, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about jacking, taking away from our culture and making a profit off of it and not redistributing it back to the uh, to the culture or helping the culture out. I, to my knowledge, Epic Games hasn't done anything for the culture. They haven't done anything for, uh, you know, to, to improve things in the culture. They've profited off the culture, but they haven't done anything to, to make it better. And stealing, jacking people's moves isn't cool, man. I mean, that's, that's just how brazen, that's how brazen companies are. That's how brazen certain people are who have positions and power, positions of power in certain industries. They're just so brazen with it sometimes. It's just amazing to me how they thought somebody in that building thought, you know what? We're going to take all these dances and we're going to incorporate it in this game. And we're not going to pay a goddamn dime to any one of the creators who created this dance because they know who they are. Don't think Epic Games don't know who created these dance moves because if you believe that, then you're a goddamn fool. They know exactly who created these dance moves. A lot of those people that probably work in that building who are behind the creative process are fans of our culture and are fans of this type of uh, swagger kind of way uh, of, of having fun. So don't think that they don't know. So that's what makes this even more egregious. That's what makes it even more disgusting in a sense. Is because you you know they knew who these people were, the JB Block Boys of the world, the two Millies. You you had to know they had to know. And the fact that they still decided to just incorporate these moves in the game without any attribution is pretty fucking brazen. So I'm hoping that some type of you know, they have to pay out some kind of money to these people that are uh, suing them. I mean, I, I would be surprised. Listen, Carlton from the, I, I say Carlton um, because that's his character that he played on Fresh Prince. But I, I find it hard to believe that they don't come to some kind of settlement, at least with Carlton, because he's a big name actor. I mean, he's, you know, he's hosting the goddamn uh, America's funniest videos for god's sakes right now i believe he, he he may get some money out of this because he is a powerful figure and he made that dance up 20 25 years ago so you know it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes out but we you know it, it just sucks to see things that we create in our culture be taken advantage of or profited off of by um dishonest business practices and and just you know industries that just don't give back and that is essentially the definition of a culture vulture but yeah lastly uh i'm gonna end this podcast it's gonna be a short one i'm not gonna talk you out of death but lastly they just i read something man they are literally approving get this they're gonna i read somewhere that the party drug special k has been approved to treat depression. So apparently, like we don't have a drug, like like we don't have enough of a drug problem in this country when it comes to pharmaceutical drugs, uh, prescription drugs. We don't have enough, we don't have uh, enough of an issue with that, with oxycodone and all of these other drugs that are literally killing people uh, by the day. Yeah, you know, 
we have this big academic uh, this big epidemic with prescription drug usage but you know what we're gonna approve special k too that's still special k in that pot as well i don't see this ending very well i mean if we have a big prescription drug epidemic what in the world do you think is going to happen once special k hits the market legally like again this isn't more of a you know epidemic that we have in our country when these companies these pharmaceutical giants they control a lot man have a lot of sway man so it doesn't surprise me that a special k would be approved hell why not just approve cocaine as well a lot of rich people like to use it, and it's a Schedule II drug. Marijuana is a Schedule One drug. Hmm, how the hell is a marijuana Schedule One drug felony when cocaine is Schedule Two? Why do you think rich people, you know, lighter-colored folks, love to use cocaine? Lighter-colored, rich, well-off People that have corporate jobs tend to like to do a line or two here and there. So it doesn't surprise me that that has continued to be a Schedule II drug. But anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of the injustices of the system. But I just thought that was interesting and I had to share that. Special K will now be on the market for you to choose if you have depression issues. But I wouldn't say that. I'd say, hey, if you have depression issues or anxiety issues... Dude, pick up a joint, smoke some weed. They got a lot of different medical marijuana out there, a lot of different. Um, now, I'm not promoting this. I ain't telling you to do anything illegal. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying. I'd rather see a bunch of people smoke medical marijuana than do some special K to treat depression. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, on that note, I'm about to end this episode. This is episode 23, Voice Junkie Podcast. It's, it felt great, even though I'm under the weather. I know you guys can hear it. It felt great to get this out to you guys. And again, I'm going to try to get more episodes out to you guys. I'm going to, you know, increase the production, get some more interviews in. I got a lot of stuff planned down the road. Obviously, if you can, it would be awesome. We don't have any advertising on this platform, so it is imperative that you support us by hitting us up on patreon.com slash chuckwestworld. Any little bit counts. A dollar here, two dollars there, five bucks, you could become a boss. Hey, let's get it, man. Let's, let's support independent media. On that note, until next time, folks, thanks for tuning in. Peace. <laughs>